you have your Bibles, our Bible reading is going to come from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. And let me just say this right off the bat. First of all, let me welcome our friends in Fall River. So glad you're in Fall River. I hope it's a little warmer in Fall River than it is in New Bedford. I doubt it. Because we're like right next to each other, 20 minutes away. And also for you guys who are online, I'm so glad you tuned in today. Um, And you guys here in New Bedford, uh, I just want you to know that this is one of those really crockpot type of messages, which means that we're going to go really slow and we're going to have a lot of information. So can I encourage you to take notes? Here's why I believe you should take notes in church, because there's a lot of things that's going to be shared that you're not going to be able to process in a moment. But when you take notes, you can go home and sit and ask the Holy Spirit, how do you want me to apply this to my life? Because you don't want to be the people that heard the message but didn't do the message. Hello, somebody. Tell your neighbor, don't be that guy. Tell the right neighbor, we can, we can study together, though. We can, we can, I can pick you up. We can go to Starbucks and we can, we can study Jesus together because you, me, and Jesus looks like a good fit. I try every week, but no one seems to take advantage of these moments. I'm trying. I throw alley-oops. No one is dunking, though. Proverbs 1, verse 7. Just one verse, but we're going to unpack this one verse. shows you how the power of, of God's word. You can take one verse and spend a lot of time in it. But it says this. Fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Another version says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise it, and they despise discipline. So I want to talk to you today about what does this actually mean, the fear of the Lord. What is the Bible actually trying to teach us here through this one verse in the book of Proverbs? First of all, I want to remind us this morning that the Bible is not a book. The Bible is a collection of books. Okay? The Bible is not a singular book. The Bible is a library of 66 books. Okay? You have 39 books in the Old Testament before Jesus came to earth as a human being. And then after Jesus came to earth, you have 29 New Testament books that reveals to you the gospel of Jesus Christ and how the church was birthed and how we have a movement called the people of God on earth. And it's going to end with the book of Revelation when Jesus will come back to establish his kingdom on earth. So we, we have collections of books. And, and what's fascinating about these books is that these people who wrote these books, some of them never even met each other. Some of them lived in different centuries. Some of them lived in different times. The, the, the Bible, the entire thing, spans 15 centuries of human history. Right? So, so we're talking a long process of books here. So when you get to the book of Proverbs, you have to understand that each book has a specific focus to it. And what's fascinating about these 66 books is that even though some of these people never met each other, they never lived in the same timeline, they never lived in the same country, but somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were united in the flow and the purpose that God wanted to, to, to uh, create through their writing. Can you say amen? And so the book of Proverbs is part of what we call the books of wisdom. 
Okay, there's different categories of books in the Bible, and this particular one falls under what we call books of wisdom. And, and, and the books of wisdoms are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, and some people like to put Psalms in there, right? But, but we like to just narrow it down to just these four books, okay? Job, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and a book that probably no one reads in the Bible, Songs of Solomon. It's a really weird book. Uh, well, the whole thing is weird, but especially Songs of Solomon. I'm not going to get into that now, but now that I say that, you will look into it because that's how humanity works. Like, when you say that, they're like, oh, well, I really want to know now. <laughs> But these are called wisdom books. And the main writer of these books, he didn't write all of it, but he's the main writer, is a, is a king named Solomon. Solomon became a king very early in age. And when he became a king very early in age, he had to rule over Israel, who had millions of people. He felt overwhelmed to be in this position as a young man. And he prayed, one of the greatest prayers you can pray. He said, God, help me be a great leader and give me wisdom to govern well, right? He could have prayed for anything, but he prayed for wisdom to be a great leader and to lead the people well. And God said, because you prayed that, you didn't ask me for riches. You didn't ask me for any other th things that people usually ask you for. You didn't pray over your Powerball. You prayed to have wisdom. And because you prayed to have wisdom, I'm going to give you the greatest insight in human history, and I'm going to make you one of the greatest leaders that have ever lived. And the Bible says that he became one of the wisest people that lived at the time. And so when you get to the book of Proverbs, this is actually him writing down wisdom about living a good life. That's the bottom line of this book. He's saying, listen, here's how you live a really good life. And if you read Proverbs, it's not like this continuation of book, it's just like random sayings about life, basically, about how you can attain wisdom and live a really good life if you're following the plans and the will that God has for you. Are you tracking with me so far? Right? So it's all about, again, let me say this again if you're taking notes. He becomes the wisest man alive and he writes these proverbs, which is like just, the word, another word for proverbs is sayings. He writes these sayings to say, here's how you live a really good life. Are you tracking with me? The verse we just read is the heart of all these books of wisdom. Job, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Songs of Solomon. The heart of the entire focus is this. Fear the Lord because that is the beginning of wisdom. Fear the Lord because that is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, he's saying this, in order to live a good life, it starts with a healthy fear of God. Are you tracking? In order to have a good life, it starts with a healthy fear of God. Now, let, let, let's unpack some things real quick. When he says fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, a better word for true knowledge here is wisdom. And throughout his book, he talks about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Right? Knowledge is just attaining information. Wisdom is how to apply the information. Right? A lot of people have knowledge, but a lot of people don't have wisdom. Right? A lot of people, I mean, we all went to school with the kids who were really book smart. Right? You ever meet those kids that, like, annoys you that they always get A's? 
but then they, they know nothing about, like, life. Like, you ever see those kids, they get straight A's, and then you, you, you put them in the street and say, hey, catch a taxi, and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know? Or they go to the mall, and the mom's late five minutes and start freaking out. <laughs> Maybe that was you as a kid. <laughs> but there's a difference between knowledge, head knowledge, and wisdom. Are you tracking? So, my friends, what Solomon is trying to get to is this understanding of fear of the Lord. The proper understanding of who God really is. Not who we conjuring up to be. Not who we want him to be, but who he really is. Right? And when you study the Bible, you realize that one word can have so many different meanings. Right? So... The fear of God has many different connotations to it. And I want to show it to you real quick. It means to have a deep reverence for the Lord. A respect. And to live in awe of who the Lord is. It's where you get the word awesome from. Unfortunately, we've dumbed down that word. Now everything is awesome. Right? We say, God is awesome. Pizza's awesome. <laughs> right? We say, man, church is awesome. Super Bowl is awesome. You know, like we've dumbed down this word and, and, and it's, it's unfortunate because this word is saying God stands alone as the Lord of the universe. He's the awesome one. Like we stand in awe of who he is. Right? This is no small thing. Right? Words are powerful. Why? Because words create worlds. Right? And so this word, fear of God, it's about this reverence, this respect, this deep understanding that, man, there is a God and I'm not it. There is a God that I don't take it lightly that he is real and that he's the one that actually governs the world. It's actually a healthy understanding of God as the creator and sustainer of life. It's this awe of God that leads me to repentance. It's this awe of God that leads me to obedience. It's this awe of God that, long, that makes me long for more of him. It's this awe of God that makes me want to pray. It's this awe of God that makes me want to worship. It's this awe of God that makes me want to be in tune with him. This is no small thing. This is not a light thing to have this deep reverence and respect for God, for who he truly is. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, when I would, you know, do my thing, up to no good, and we get close to getting in trouble many times. BC days, before Christ, you know, those days. And I, and I remember often when we, you know, I would be somewhere, maybe it's in a party, and cops would show up, and people start getting thrown into, you know, the pad wagon, all that stuff. And I would automatically, every single time, my mind will go to my parents. Every single time. Anybody else, real people here? Like every single time, I wasn't concerned we get arrested. I was concerned, well, oh my God, what, the, what are my parents going to think? Because I had this, this reverence, this respect for my parents that I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want to break their heart. I didn't want to, like they were good parents. They did everything for me. Why would I put them in a position where they have to go get me somewhere that I shouldn't have been? This is what I think about when I think about this reverence, this respect, this awe that I have, and uh, they're Cape Verdean parents. 
They don't believe in timeout. <laughs> we, I didn't grow up with timeout. I don't know what that means. Came to this country like, you get a timeout for being bad? Usually that means time in. Time in with dad. <laughs> it's a very intimate time. You won't forget it. <laughs> But it gives you a healthy understanding of life, right? Because, because life has consequences. And that living in this reverence, this respect, this all actually keeps you grounded and it keeps you out of trouble. Solomon, unfortunately, lost track of that. If you look at his life, Solomon started that way. But with time, Solomon got caught up on other things. And Solomon began to do things that was opposite of fear of God. Solomon began to get himself entangled in relationships and business deals and, and weird things that God would not co-sign. And so Solomon goes through this process of understanding that way. If I walk away from this reverence, respect, and awe of God, there is consequences to it. And so when he writes his other book of wisdom in Ecclesiastes, now he's an older man. The Bible says that he is probably... In his 80s or 90s now, he started as a teenager. Now he's, 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 he's really old and he's reflecting. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. Get a chance to read it because it really is a reflection of life. Right? But he gets to the end of it when he's now he's, he's reflecting on the years that he wasted because he walked away from the fear of God. Here's how he concludes his other book of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he says this. He, look, he says, the whole, this is the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So here's an older man reflecting and saying, man, I wasted a lot of years. Actually, he starts this chapter in 12 saying, remember you're created in the days of your youth. Before there comes days that you say, I have no pleasure in them. What he was saying is, man, I wasted so many years of my life because I walked away from the fear of the Lord. And now all I have is regrets to show for it. So he's trying to write this book to help people. Like, hey, don't make the same mistakes I made. That's the beauty thing. That's the thing about the Bible. I hope you understand. The reason why the Bible is so honest and raw and it leaves everything there, I think God is trying to make a point. Hey, learn from the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, when I talk to young people, I, usually t I was here Friday night talking to our young people. I usually tell them this. I say, you shouldn't learn everything by experience. Some things you should learn by other people's experience. Like you should look at that and go, that looks like it hurt. I don't have to try that. I just saw you. You look like you're hurting. Right? Like knowledge, wisdom is like, wisdom is that. Wisdom is, I see that. That looks like it hurt. Knowledge is like, oh, can I try it for myself? Oh, man. Are you, are you with me? My friends, a healthy fear of God, it's actually a blessing in your life. Here's the thing that we struggle with when I say fear of God. We struggle with that reality because a lot of us maybe grew up in places, in homes, and even churches that overemphasize judgment. Right? I was a teacher. I remember one time a kid told me <laughs> that... Her mom said, when you don't behave, God is really mad at you, and he might throw rocks at you from heaven. I'm like, 
Like someone called DCF. That's abuse. And you're using theology as, as abuse. And unfortunately, a lot of us grew up like that. We grew up in churches that, you know, every little thing, you, you, you're going to hell, you know. Um, and you, you better get yourself together. This is not really what the heart of this is. This is more than that. This is living with a reverence and respect and honor for the creator who created you, who knows what's best for you. So unfortunately, sometimes what we do is, so we come from that end, we end up swinging all the way to the other side. Now we come to the other side and go, God is just love. And if you love me, you'll, do, you'll let me do whatever I want to do. Because God is love. And when there's love, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Which is really funny because when you have kids, you realize because you love your knuckleheads, you don't let them do whatever they want to do. Because you love them. Not because you judge them. Not because you condemn them. The most used words in my house is no! <laughs> no, you can't. just yesterday, Dad, can I just have a little bit more ice cream? No! <laughs> Unless you want to, you know, have diabetes. The answer is no, because I love you, knucklehead. That's what love does. So we have to be careful that we don't swing this pedal where people are like, yeah, God is just love. As if love doesn't correct. Because you love, you correct. Because you love, you warn. Right? How many of us parents have used the warning? I'm warning you. <laughs> My dad was a man of few words. So when he said something, it was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> it, it's on. Mom will say a lot. Mom does a lot of threats. But when dad says something, it's on. The worst thing you can hear as a kid is, wait till your father gets home. want to hear that. But we have, we have a tendency to overemphasize certain attributes of God over others. But the reality is, yes, God is love. God is grace. God is kind. But he, he's also holy. He's also just. Right? He's also righteous. Right? You, so you can't stop in one attribute of God. Right? Just like you don't fall in love with someone just for one thing. Because when you fall in love with someone for one thing, when you really marry them, you realize, oh my God, there's like more to you. <laughs> Wake up one morning, she has no makeup. You're like, oh my God, who is this? Who this? <laughs> But my friends, we need to have a well-rounded understanding of who this God is. Because if we lack the understanding of holiness, we're going to lack the understanding of wisdom. Because when we lack wisdom, you lack healthy fear. Think about it. You want your kids to have healthy fears, not unhealthy fears. You want your kids to look both sides before they cross the street. That's a healthy fear. You don't go... 
hey, it's all God. It's all good. You say, look both sides before you cross the street. Why? Because of a healthy fear. So healthy fear is healthy. It's unhealthy fears that we need to work on. And just to be on the same page, when we talk about judgment, according to the Bible, not according to people, is to put things right. We all want to put things right. When God talks about judgment, he's talking about, I want to put things right. Because none of us like to be treated unjustly. Think about it. You don't. Like you, you won't care about injustice until it hits, you, it hits home for you. It's one thing for a co-worker to be treated unjustly. It's another thing for you to be treated unjustly. Because now you're like, heck no. Right? So all of us want justice. Where does it come from? It comes from the fact that God created you with a desire for justice. Because he is a just God. So when we say judgment, we don't mean condemnation. We mean putting things right. Some things need to be judged. Can you imagine a world with no judgment? Accountability is important. So I, I pray we understand, we have a healthy understanding of who God is. It's not just, you know, he's just all love. But yeah, he's love plus holy, plus righteous, plus just, plus... I believe this, write this down, fear of God gives us the right perspective of sin. A healthy fear of God will give you a healthy perspective of sin. What is sin? Sin is disrupting the shalom of God, the peace of God. So anytime I'm breaking shalom, I'm breaking peace, I am breaking a covenant with God. And God is holy, he cannot coexist with sin. That's why he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom here is powerful. Again, one word in the Bible has many meanings. But what Solomon was trying to help us understand here is that, listen, wisdom of God is what governs the universe. The wisdom of God is what governs the universe. The universe, we talked about this many weeks ago, how fine-tuned the universe is. Where God has a plan and a purpose for everything under the sun. That's wisdom. It's in other words, can I live in tune with that wisdom? With that understanding of life? Can I live in tune with this creator who has a design in mind for everything? Because wisdom is one of his attributes. It's one of the characters of God. Listen, write this down. Wisdom brings a healthy respect of good and evil. If I don't have wisdom, I'll blur the lines. And the, and the reason why our society is so confused is that we've blurred the lines so much we don't even know what is right and wrong anymore. Things have been flipped upside down because we have walked away from the wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Please also write this down. It's to know, listen, this is, I pray you understand this. Wisdom is knowing the boundaries and not cross them. Think about this. All of us have fences in our homes. Yes or no? Why do we have fences? If you have children, it keeps them safe. But when, when my kids go in the backyard, I tell them, you can play with anything you want. Just hopefully don't go over the fence. 
But I don't tell them what to play with. I say, as long as you play within the boundaries of the fence, we're good. This is what God is trying to say to us. Right? Think about it. It started that way, didn't it? He said, hey, have this garden. Just don't play with that tree. Boundaries are healthy and good. Why? He said, because if you do, there's going to be consequences. And then what, what do we do? How, how bad can it be? How, how bad can it be? It's just a tree. It's just a fruit. You know? And then, and then what do we do? We, we start to dumb down the wisdom of God. We start to say, say things like, it's not that bad. It's just a, and then we start to have categories. It's just a white lie. As if in heaven there's a color-coded... <laughs> Got an angel up there going, which color was that? <laughs> I don't know. Jimmy just said an orange lie. Ah. Are you tracking with me? Yes. If you want to develop the skill of building a good life, we have to develop a skill for the wisdom of God. Another wisdom book is Job. It's a tough book, but it's a powerful book. Job is about the fact that, listen, you could be a good person and still go through trials and tribulations. Again, I love the Bible. It doesn't hide anything. It doesn't say, hey, accept Jesus and nothing's going to go wrong. Actually, he says, accept Jesus and all hell will break loose, but Jesus will be with you in it. So Job is one of those, right? And interesting enough, Job... It's crazy because Job gives you a perspective that we don't get, like the, the perspective of there's another world, there's another realm, right? Job is caught up in a conversation that God had with the enemy. Here's why we need wisdom, because we have no idea what's happening in the realm. We have no idea. We're just thinking it's life. But here's a guy minding his business. And the enemy says to God, hey, the only reason that guy over there worships you is because you spoil him. So this is crazy, but they have a bet in heaven between God and the enemy. God's like, what are, you, what are you implying? He's like, well, if you take away some of the stuff, he will not worship you. But what happens? You've got to read the story of Job. It's powerful. But I just want to share one thing with you. Look, the reason why Job is in the Bible because he had a fear of the Lord. God says this about Job. Watch this. To the enemy. Maybe God has conversation with the enemy about you. I don't know. But watch this. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. How would you like God to brag about you? The enemy hates it that you have a healthy fear of God. So he's going to do everything he can to try to make you blur the lines, lose your integrity, lose your character, lose your cool, lose your family, uh, do shady business under the table so you can tarnish the image of God that's in you. But God says, man, look, this is the kind of people I'm looking for. 
Please write this down. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy fear of God that sets you free from unhealthy fears in life. It's a healthy fear of God that will set you free from unhealthy fear in life. And let's be honest. A lack of healthy fear is misleading and costly. It's like saying, oh, gravity, please. I don't believe in it. And you jump off a building. Whether you believe in gravity or not, gravity believes in you. <laughs> but it's the people that sometimes boast about life. Like, ah, I can do whatever I want. It's like, yeah, yeah. No wonder why we're see- you're seeing what you're seeing. Hey, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. You get whatever you want. See, sometimes we don't need anybody to punish us. We punish ourselves. I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching something that really bothered me. I like to watch documentaries. I was watching a documentary about the reality of, of drugs and, 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 you know, shady businesses. And it just bothered me. I was praying about it. I'm like, man, this, this is horrible, man. People kill each other. And I, and I felt like, again, I'm not one of those like God told me things, but I felt this nudge of spirit saying, sometimes... God will leave you to your own demise. Because he's not going to force you to do it his way. But listen, Jesus said something really powerful. He said, listen, if you're going to have any fears in life, you better fear just God. Because the fear of God will liberate you from fearing things that you shouldn't fear. Jesus said this one time to his disciples. He said, look, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. He's talking about persecution. They cannot do any more to you after that. That's amazing. Just say, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? They can kill you. And that's the best day of your life. (laughs) That's crazy. You're talking about wisdom. He's like, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? They can kill me, Lord. Okay, then. What else can you do? But watch this. But I tell you whom to fear. Fear God. Again, the reverence, the respect, the awe. Who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. That's what you should fear. Because if you have a healthy understanding of God, it will set you free from every unhealthy fears that you will ever have. Reading this book. By Earl McManus, and I love what he said this about fear. He said this, watch this, this is powerful. He says, what you fear has mastery over your life. If you fear only God, then he becomes your only master. What you fear also establishes the boundaries of your freedom. If you are afraid of heights, you stay low. If you are afraid of crowds, you stay alone. Fear limits your freedom except when it comes to God. Take a screech out of this. You need to wrestle with this all week. A healthy fear of God will set you free from every unhealthy fear that you're going to have in life. Another student of Jesus, John, helps you understand that love and fear go together. 
they go together. They don't, they're not separate from each other. You guys all set with this? I see some, go ahead, take a picture. Go to my next slide here. First John says this, look, such love, God's love, has no fear, unhealthy fear, that is, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Sounds like a paradox, right? So, like, wait, wait a minute. You told me to fear God one moment. I don't have to fear. You say, you know, when you have a healthy fear of God, you understand you were living in his love. And when you are in his love, you don't have to worry about him punishing you because God's not going to punish anyone he loves, anyone he accepts, anyone that he embraces. Everyone is for you. And therefore, that love sets you free from every other unhealthy fear you might have in life. In other words, think about it. Like, the people you love the most, you don't want to disappoint them. Isn't it true? Like, if you love your wife or, or your husband, last thing you want to do is disappoint them. Which all husbands and wives in the room is like, yeah, why do you keep doing it then? <laughs> He's trying. <laughs> Try not to. But your love drives you even to not just do things, but love drives you to not do certain things. We're talking about marriage. It's love that keeps you faithful. And the fear of losing that love keeps you grounded. So this is healthy fear. Are you tracking? Because you don't hurt those you love. You don't want to disappoint your loved ones. Please write this down. Fear of God keeps you from pursuing the wrong things and the wrong people. It's the fear of God in you. It's the respect, the reverence of God that keeps you from pursuing certain things. One of my favorite parts about studying this is the fact that it is the healthy fear of God that liberates you from the opinion of people. Everybody has an opinion about you. And you can live with that fear of people's opinion, or you can live with that reality that God's opinion is what matters to me the most in life. Paul the Apostle says this about that. He says, because of this healthy fear, watch this. Paul says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Man, that will liberate you. Especially in a day and age where everybody's concerned about other people's opinion with social media and Instagram and Facebook and, and who, what's, who, what are they going to say, what they're not going to say. We're so consumed with unhealthy fear of people that we end up pleasing people and displeasing God. And the worst is, sometimes when you're so concerned with pleasing people, you end up pleasing all the wrong people. Like people come to church and they have their agenda of how they want church to be. That's, that's their business. I'm not here to please anybody. If this fits your narrative, word. If it doesn't, there's a lot of churches in the city. Not a lot of amens there. Thank you. But a healthy fear of God keeps you from worrying about people's opinions. Because the last thing you want 
is to not do the things you're called to do because you're worried about how people are going to respond. It also sets you free from living a timid life. You know, the Bible says that God did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. A lot of people lose their calling because of timidity. Let me, let me, let me clarify something here. You could be a shy person and still fulfill God's calling. So it's not about being shy. It's about allowing the timidity to limit you. Are you tracking? And how do you break timidity? By having the healthy fear of God that pushes away all the unhealthy stuff away from you so you can really work in the will and the purpose of God. I've used this illustration many times, but there was a young lady. She was 15 years old. I was a a youth pastor in, in, in Rhode Island. And she was 15, very shy, very reserved. But she brought most kids to the youth than any other kid. And in that youth group, we had a lot of kids where we were loudmouths. We'd talk a good game, but couldn't back it up. We all know those people, right? But when it comes to action, it's like, where, where are you? But this girl didn't say much, but her action spoke volumes. She used to like, she used to go to this high school. It was a tough high school called Classical in Providence, in the middle of Providence, really tough school. And she brought most kids to church than anybody else. And it used to blow my mind. I asked her, I said, how do you do it? And I thought I'm going to get this really deep answer. She said, well, I love Jesus and I want my friends to know him. So I just go up to them and say, come to church with me. She didn't let her shyness keep her away from her calling. You could be shy and still fulfill God's calling for your life. The other thing it keeps you away from is, is living a life from just a mere human wisdom standpoint. You know, the Bible says the wisdom of man is futile to God. In other words, what people think they're so wise about, God's like, man, that, that's nothing compared to my wisdom. You think you're so suchy much. <laughs> that ain't nothing. The worst people we can meet in life are the people that know everything. You ever meet those people? Doesn't matter what you tell them. I know. I know. It's like, if you know, then what the heck? What's happening with your life? <laughs> Aren't those the worst people? <laughs> hey, you know, we, I know. I already know. You know, pastor says, go to Proverbs 1. I already know that verse. You know it. Do you do it? So let me wrap this up. A healthy fear of God leads us to live life a certain way. Number one thing, this is a summary now, is I believe this. A healthy fear of God will keep you from flirting with sin. Again, as a high school teacher and pastor, sometimes the kids will ask this question. How far is too far? And my answer is always is, you've already gone too far. Because if you had a healthy fear of God, you would never ask that question. You, You would be asking... How far away can I stay from sin? Not how close to the edge can I get without falling over? 
It's like, no, if there's sin, this is me. You know, the Bible says to even, to even flee the appearance of evil. Just the appearance. Never mind doing it. He says, just the appearance. If it, if it looks like it, talk like it, it must be a duck. I was talking to our youth leaders. I'm like, you understand this. You are trusted to help mentor these young people. So your life needs to be above reproach. Because as a parent and as a pastor, I'm trusting you with our children, our kids. That's why we don't let anybody just do kids' ministry. We do background checks. I don't care how much you love Jesus, but are you loving Jesus outside of church? Because the last thing I need is to get a parent saying, hey, I, I was just on such and such leader's Instagram post, and it seemed like they're drinking a beer. One of our mentors... What's wrong with a beer? See, the problem is we live in a day and age now we're just like we're not even asking questions. Notice how we, we live more on the defensive than we live on the offense. We're always going, I'm not doing anything wrong. I think that's the wrong question. Right question is, what am I doing right? What am I doing right is the rather question to ask. So look what the Bible says. Look, you don't flirt with sin when you have a healthy fear of God. But among you, there must not even, not be even a, what's the word here? Not even a hint that there's something shady going on. Here he's talking about sexual immorality of any kind, impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint. I'm not doing anything wrong. No, that's not the question. Don't leave any doors open. The Bible says all the enemy needs is a foothold. So he can welcome himself in. Not even a hint means my phone is clean. Because Not because of anybody, but because I have a healthy fear of God. My biggest fear in life is to lose God's favor. I don't want to live this life without God's favor on it. Yeah, God is love, but he doesn't coexist with sin. He actually died for sin. The second thing I think a healthy fear of God leads us to, he leads you to treat people well. Because every person is made in the image of God. You know you have a healthy fear of God when you honor people, when you respect people, when you treat people the way that you want people to treat you. We call this the golden rule, right? Jesus said this. He said, but look, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is thought in the law and the prophets. Jesus said, hey, you want to summarize the Bible? Treat people well. The worst thing for the world it's people who say they follow Jesus, but they are jerks to people. I'm telling you, you know the guy who knows everything about the Bible, but treats people harshly? That guy needs to repent. 
It's better to know a little bit about the Bible and love people than to know a lot about the Bible and not live it. Three is, when you have a healthy fear of God, you strive for holiness. You want to be holy. The word holy means set apart, to be distinct. If there's a distinction on your life, why? Because God is in you. His holiness is in you. Here's what Hebrew says about holiness. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But isn't he love? Yes, he's also holy. If he doesn't purge you and cleanse you, you can't live in the realm where he lives. In that realm, there's no sin. In that realm, there's no impurities. In that, in that, in that realm, everything that is worldly gets purged away. This is why he doesn't save you and ship you to heaven. He saves you, he saves you and he begins to refine you, purge you, heal you, cleanse you, until he takes the world out of you. So you become like him. And lastly, when you have a healthy fear of God, you invite God into everything. There's not an area of life that you don't invite God in to have his way. Going back to Proverbs, we'll finish with Proverbs chapter 3. Look at what Solomon says. The man who started this book says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. I believe I'm not talking to no fools in this place. Because mama raised no fool. I'm talking with people who want the will of God, the purpose of God, and the heart of God. I'm talking with people who don't want to make excuses. I'm talking with people who don't want to flirt. And I want to live on the edge of sin talking with people who are pursuing holiness and righteousness and peace and love and kindness and people who want to see everything that God has for us in person and online forever. I'm going to turn it over to you. We can stand. We can stand now, everyone. Also here. You're like, yeah, forever. Yeah, in your bedroom. Even at home, your living room, I want you to stand. You in your bedroom? Go ahead and stand. You in your garage because you got kicked out? Go ahead and stand. I don't know where you're watching from today. I pray you stand with us. You know, the word of God is powerful. It's like the Bible says like a double-edged sword. It cuts through everything. It cuts through our pride. It cuts through our confusion. It cuts through everything because he wants us to have a healthy fear of the Lord that leads to life. So let's pray together. Would you join me in praying that the Lord will come upon us in a fresh way? Remember, when we, when, we, when we close our eyes and lift our hands, we're just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm open. I want to be a wise person. I want to have a healthy understanding of who you are. I don't know everything, Lord. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to become more in tune with you and your will and your purpose. So come, Holy Spirit. Come right now upon us. Speak to us. Lord, confirm your word this morning. Only you, Lord, can make sense of your word in us. 
So come have your way, Lord. Our hearts are open. Our minds are receptive. God, we want to grow in a healthy understanding of who you are. And Lord, as we, as we pursue you, as we come after you, God, I pray that it, it sets us free from all unhealthy fears. God, I pray as we, as we come close to you, Lord, set us free from fear of men. Set us free from, from fear of, of depression. Set us free, Lord, from anything that will try to hold us back from doing your will. Set us free from timidity, Lord. Set us free, Lord, from second-guessing. But maybe you're here today, you've never trusted Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life. Everything starts there. And we never like to close without giving you the privilege of making this decision. I want to make this clear. It's not just a prayer. It's a commitment. It's saying, Lord, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I want to live your way. I want to surrender. I want, to, I want you to come into my life and forgive me my sins and make me new. In person, online, if that's you today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Lord will come upon you in a fresh way and give you new life. Yes, you came to church, but that's half the battle. The other half is, who is the Lord of your life? Are you running your life? Or is Jesus going to come in? With every head closed, with every head bowed and eyes closed, and I want to pray right now for those specifically who say, that's me, you're talking to me, I need to surrender my life to the Lord. Do me a favor. L lift your, your right hand. I just want to pray for you right now. I just want to pray for you. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Even online, if you're watching, I believe, Lord, we meet you right where you are in your living room, in your bedroom. Wherever you are, I believe God will meet you exactly where you are. Pray this prayer with me, but mean it. Say it from your heart. Say, Father, I'm ready to surrender my life to you today. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins, and he rose again. So come into my life. Forgive me and empower me to live this good life that you have for me. Build me up, Lord, with your fear. And help me, Lord, to gain wisdom according to your will. I want to live in the fullness of your will. So fill me today with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.